In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. If you don't like Lutheran hymnody, then you don't like that hymn. It was a wonderful hymn. I'd love to have a needlepoint of it in my office. Everybody should take note of that hymn because it shows us who God is toward us. Love unknown. Today is the last Sunday in Lent. Woohoo, you might say. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday as we enter into the holiest week of the year. So I ask you today, today is Utica Sunday, Judgment Sunday, Vindication Sunday. Where do you stand in the line of God's judgment? Today is your last day and you enter into the reign and rule of God in heaven and you are judged immediately. How do you stand? Hebrews tells us, and inasmuch it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. He will come to judge both the living and the dead, we will say in the creed. And we find ourselves like the psalm in our intro at this morning. We find ourselves in our first hymn this morning, out of depths of, from depths of woe I cry to thee. Notice that probably wasn't a very happy, cheery hymn for you and for me. But neither is sin and God's judgment. And despite what everybody likes to talk about in Christianity today, God takes judgment and sin and death and life seriously. We beg, we plead... Forgive us, Lord. Please forgive me for what I've done. I said this. I did this. I have great regret. I have great shame. Please, please, please forgive me. You can go out to a place like the modern Christian bookstore today, and you can find racks and racks and rows of books on how to live the Christian life. How to have a better prayer life. How to have a better devotional life. How to have a better marriage. How to lose weight according to the biblical diet. That's not on my shelf, I must say. But I dare say one of the things that are often overlooked, one of the main topics, is forgiveness. Why? Because you and I love to judge we love to look at everybody else and judge people. One of my favorite YouTube channels is the Law and Crime Network. I watched it most of the time in the evening with the Alex Murdoch trial. You might have seen that in South Carolina. Very well-known attorney who was put on trial for killing his wife and son. Now you see Gwyneth Paltrow being put on trial for a ski accident in Utah. And one of the amazing things as you watch one of these streams is the fact that everybody can get on there and make all sorts of comments. I can't tell you how many times just even to watch the comments, oh, he's totally guilty, totally a wretched person, disgusting what he did, even though there hasn't been a judgment. Oh, look at her, the way she's dressed as the fancy Hollywood person, wearing those glasses that make her look like 
Timothy or whatever his name was in Milwaukee that killed the people and then consumed them. Look at her in her smugness. She can't stand to be on trial. Do you realize that that's us as well? How many of you stand in line at the grocery store behind somebody and you have disgust of them? I can't believe they're wearing that. I can't believe they smell like this. Or even worse, we look at people who are living their lives full of sin and addiction and other vices, and we simply look at them and say, they're just not getting their life together. Just not doing it. If someone says, I love God, I'm in the church today, here I am praying, giving God praise and thanks. Yes, I'm asking God for forgiveness. I love you, God. You're the best God ever. If somebody says they love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So says James. Maybe you're like me. You heard about the Pharisees and those today who picked up rocks to throw at Jesus. You also heard about the woman caught up in adultery where Jesus encounters her just as the clergy are getting ready to pick up rocks and stone her for something like adultery. Of course, in our day and age today, we think, it's just adultery. What's the big deal? It's a big deal to God. Maybe you're like me. I have a dump truck of stones ready to throw. And guess what? I'm ordering more dump trucks to throw more stones against those who have sinned against me or who have committed sins that I would never be caught dead doing. You and I can talk so much about living the Christian life, prayer, merciful, being loving toward others, but as I just told the children, the hardest thing to do is to forgive one another because it's not a basic instinct that you and I have. You know what our biggest, most powerful instinct is? The judge. To judge one another. Are you one of them who calls out the sin of others first, seeking out their punishment, showing them where they're consistently wrong? Ah, 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 what are you doing? You're not doing this correctly. Or, or are you the one who claims that you forgive, yet you never really let the one whom you forgive forget what they've done? Ooh, the knife just turned on me. But do you dispose this, O oh man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same, same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So says Romans. So where does that leave us? It has to start with us, the household of God. And yet who are we as Christians today? We are often the ones who are labeled as the judgy do-gooders who act like they're better than everybody else. And we might sit there and cringe at that description of us, but guess how we got it? It's because we do it, and we do it so well. 
Here I am in church, giving the offering, praying, loving the person that annoys me. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. And yet in our hearts, they are nothing but stone, stones ready to throw at others. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God, says Peter. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? When we teach the law in our catechism to our little kids, we talk about the law acting as a curb and a rule, but the hardest teaching of the law is the mirror. The mirror that you don't want to look at. The mirror that says, hey, you, look it in the mirror, sinner. Deserving death, judgment, God's condemnation. The mirror shows you and I who you are. I look into the mirror and I think, I'm doing okay. I seem healthy. I think I'm a little thinner, but I'm not. That is what the mirror of God's law does for you and for me. We try to vindicate ourselves. But that is not the standard for which you and I are to look at others. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Says Jesus. Where are you in the midst of this vindication? We plead and beg to God, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. They have so totally wronged me. They have destroyed my reputation. They have hurt me physically, emotionally, and mentally. I can't stand who they are, and I can't stand to be around them. But then Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbor as yourself. We pray one of the most powerful petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses, and I would dare say, so that we could forgive those who trespass against us. Left on my own, I don't want to forgive. Left on my own, I don't want to show mercy. Left on my own, I don't want to love. Why? Because I'm centered on myself justified in my sinful behavior, vindicated because I think I'm good, and yet I ignore my neighbor who cries out for the same treatment. This is what I love about Luther in the small catechism, where he talks about the fourth through tenth commandments, which are dealing with loving your neighbor. He's always talking about the fact that you are to look out for what your neighbor owns. Take good care of it. Make sure they can keep it. He always is talking about your neighbor's reputation. Put the best construction on it. Defend them. Speak well of them. Show every manner of kindness to them. Yes, even if they're a dirty, rotten sinner, just like me. Jesus is not saying that sin is okay, but rather there is one who has and will forgive sins. Jesus' life and death and resurrection are the center core of your life as a Christian. 
Not how much you can do and how much you can try to attain or whatever else it is. Because in the end, we're just going to be all focused on ourselves. Jesus' life and his gifts are at war. But not the world. Not for the dirty, rotten sinners. He is at war against your own sinful flesh. Luther talks about this as well, that we pray that God would deliver us from sin and death and the devil. And do you know what else he says? Our own sinful flesh. God, rescue me from that guy? No, rescue me from me. Well, that's not very encouraging. That doesn't speak well about who you think you are. That's not very self-motivating. Right. Because the giant mirror of God's law is shown to us. His life, death, and resurrection, his forgiveness are at war against how I want to live my life. I can accept that Jesus carries a cross, but don't ask me to carry one, Jesus. It's fantastic for Jesus to eat with thieves and prostitutes and people caught up in adultery, but let's not put those images in our coloring books or evangelism materials. This is why we pray, forgive us. It's why we say over and over, Lord, have mercy. You might sit there in the Kyrie and say, we've said this 18 times, and it's not enough. Rather than looking at God and asking for him to not look on us on our sins and leave us in despair, I would dare say rather than Vindication Sunday, we should call this Forgiveness Sunday. Jesus speaks and shows us how he deals with sinners in light of us looking at ourselves and coming to repentance. He is the father who welcomes home his son who squandered his inheritance. And not only does he welcome him home, he gives him a robe, a ring, a feast, and the party. Jesus is the one who encounters the woman who's caught up in adultery. Ah, 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 terrible, terrible, dirty, rotten sinner. But he says, who is here to condemn you? She says, no one, and neither do I condemn you. Not get your life in order, lady. What's the matter with you? Who do you think you are? We aren't vindicated by sitting in here today, taking our sweet time being Christians. We're not vindicated by our heritage or how many years we have sat in the church. We are vindicated by Jesus' grace toward you. Think about it this way. Christ can make you and I corrected in our lack of love. He can correct you for not showing mercy. He can correct you for not forgiving and loving each other. But he doesn't do it by punishing you. He does it by forgiving you. He doesn't do it by slapping us around, telling us to get our life in order. He does it by being the one who was slapped and crucified for us. To be vindicated by God 
is for God's love to be the corrective measure for you and for me. And that is the love found on the cross where Christ took on our sin, our shame, our guilt, our inability to love and forgive one another, our embarrassment, and he put it all to death. Greater love has no one than this than he lays down his life for his friends. And you'll notice there, Jesus doesn't define who his friends are. Clean, pious Christian, dirty, rotten sinner. No, they're all friends. He came to seek and save that which is lost. By the cross, you are vindicated. You are proven right before God, not because you decided, not because you somehow saw a new path and decided to walk it, but because Jesus has put you to death in your sins and given you his resurrection. You now have faith, faith that he's given you, faith born of the Holy Spirit, faith that goes daily out in our baptism, you now have the ability by him alone to walk away from sin and to no more realize that we are the ones who are in charge, but that you and I live in a kingdom of grace. No matter what the sin is, no matter what the shame, there is always forgiveness, even when I look at myself in the mirror even when the world, when the community, or even your loved ones won't forgive. As we receive Jesus' love today through forgiveness, we are not only vindicated, it's not just a you and Jesus thing, it is also for your neighbor. We're going to pray that in a few moments after you receive the body and blood of Christ. Strengthen our faith and fervent love in you and our love toward one another. The key to that love is forgiveness. For where there is forgiveness, there is life and salvation. Forgiveness is that one thing that summarizes the lovely needle passage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not pray more, not read your Bible more, not any of those things, forgiveness. Why? Because as I said, it's the hardest thing to do. And he promises that he will equip you, he will shower you with his unending love, forgiveness, and he'll even give you the ability to change your heart to a heart of flesh and to be able to speak well and kindly of your neighbors and to vindicate those neighbors with the ability of the love and mercy he has shown yourself. So I ask you again today, how do you stand in line for judgment? Apart from Jesus, it's terrifying, I know. Without Christ's forgiveness, without him pleading before the Father's courtroom on your behalf, we are certainly toast. Yet you and I stand vindicated because the blood of Jesus has spoken that best sentence on your behalf. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus tells the woman caught up in adultery, go and sin no more. I'm sure she sinned again. That's not a thing that you can read seven steps about from a famous Christian author. To go and sin no more is to look at yourself living in the grace of God 
The grace that will always forgive when you sin again. The grace that will always restore you when you fall back into sin. Also that you might leave this place today not as nice, pious people, but as a people of mercy and love and forgiveness and vindication out there. Think about that. Think about what just a little more forgiveness and mercy and patience and gentleness and self-control and love would do for our communities. It could do so much. It's terribly hard. But we love because he has first loved us. It has been bought and paid for by Jesus. All of your good works have been prepared for you since the foundation of the world so that you might simply walk in them. It's all been given by Jesus, and because of that we rejoice. It's been given to you, and your cup will overflow to others. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Let it be crucified to the Lord Jesus. And in doing so, he will equip you to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.